uh, East London, been in East London for many years, got saved there, uh, was part of the church in which I pastored there, uh, and then the Lord called him to come and study uh, for full-time ministry, uh, studied here at the seminary, has been with us, Brian, it's five years, is it? Five years internship, seven five years. Five years internship. Uh, that he's been involved um, at Connect Church, and really want to say I've seen him grow in that time. And so I've invited him to bring God's Word this morning. Um, Next week, uh, not next week, the week after on the 15th, uh, Ryan flies out. For those of you who remember Jason Humphreys, he's going to join Jason over in the UK on the pastoral team of his church. So we've been able to sow into the rest of the world, even the UK, uh, so which is really exciting. So Ryan is going to be bringing uh, God's word to us this morning. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, John. We good? I just wanted to take this moment um, right at the start to just say thank you, church. Um, it's really been a great ride. I've made some awesome memories and made some great friendships, um, which I'll be sad to leave. Um, but it's been really great. And I really just want to thank you for all the support, the encouragement, um, yeah, all of the people who've played a role in my life um, over these past seven years. Um, it's been really great, and I'm really blessed. So I just want to pray and then um, share what's on my heart, something that God's really been encouraging me with, uh, and I hope will be an encouragement to you as we go into the new year. Great. Oh, Father, thank you that you are good and great, a good and gracious King. And we love you. And so I pray, God, that as... Yeah, as I just share from your word, as I just share what, yeah, what you want to say to us, I pray, God, that everything that is of you would take root and bear fruit. Everything that you have, yeah, that you are sowing, that you are doing by your spirit and through your word, God, that that would really bear fruit for us in this new year. I pray, God, anything that I would share that is not of you, um, that you would help us to forget that and that we would take what is good from this time and use it to fuel our worship and our service of you. Yeah, we bless your name. Amen. A few months ago, I was uh, leading a life group. I lead a life group of matrix and post-matrix, um, and we decided to just watch a quick Andy Stanley sermon. We'd finished our series. I'd been taking them through um, the story of the scriptures, sort of the redemptive story of the Old Testament into the New. We'd just finished that, and I, I was sort of, well, let's just watch a, a good message. I've always enjoyed Andy Stanley. I remember watching one when I was in high school, so I brought up that one, and we watched the first part of it, and, and it was really great, and we were really encouraged. We discussed it, but in the message, one of his sort of side points, just a, a phrase that he kept using, just stuck out to me, and it wasn't even the main thrust of the message, but it was just like this phrase just stuck out, and, and it was this phrase, confidence in God, and, and it just like hit me, and, and I knew what he was doing, because Andy Stanley does a really great job, for those of you who don't know, he's part of a church in America called North Point, and he's really good at reaching those who, who don't have a Christian background, he knows how to sort of relate to them, and so he'll often use good synonyms or phrases, so what he's talking about really is faith. He's talking about trust, but he, he swaps it out with this phrase, confidence in God, because we can sort of understand that it's a lot more palatable. But as I, as I share this message, that's really what I want to unpack for us this morning, because this phrase just stuck with me. It's like, I know what he's doing. He's talking about faith, and well, as a seminary student, I should know what faith is. As a Christian, I really should know what it means to trust God, but there was this nuance to this phrase that just stuck with me, and, and, and I remember praying and I remember God asking me, Ryan, are you confident in me? And I remember like, okay, I know I trust God and I have faith in him. And it's, it's so similar and yet there's this nuance. And he was like, are you confident in me? Are, are you willing to place your confidence in me? And, and if not, where does your confidence really lie? And will you trust me 
over this season, and it was during this time where I was going through interviews and applying for this position at Jason's church and, and contemplating this move. Um, I'd moved cities before from East London to Cape Town, and that was tough. And now to contemplate moving country, I, I was like, really, Lord, this is out of the blue. And he was like, are you confident in me? And I remember all of these fears welling up in me, all of these worries and doubts and concerns. And, and God, is this, really, is this really right? And he's going, Ryan, are you confident in me? I was like, am I right? Can I do it? Am I good enough to do this? To do this? Can I complete the task? Ryan, are you confident in me? And so I said, well, God, what does that mean? What does it mean to be confident in you? So I went to the dictionary, and confidence is this. It's the feeling and knowing that you can rely on something. And, and that's where that nuance is. It's almost a bit more active. We sometimes speak about trust as like waiting on the Lord, and that's a good thing. You know, there's a sense in which we trust on God and we wait for Him to come through. And yet there's the sense in which confidence is almost like you trust something, so you put weight on it. It's almost like a bridge or a structure um, you're, you, you look at something and you go, I'm positive that that can hold the weight, that it can complete the task. I mean, if you had to look at a really rickety bridge, you might not be willing to cross it. I mean, you look at that and you go, wow, that is some pieces missing. It's, it's got like three legs. Um, half of the rope is sort of frayed. And you look at that and you, and you assess it and you go, I'm not sure I'm confident that's going to hold my weight, particularly after Christmas. I, I'm, I'm not sure that's going to get me get me across to the other side. But if you see a nice cement bridge and there's a picture of this person who's built it and he's an engineer, studied at the top university and he's like built this bridge and you go, well, I can trust the person. I can, tr I can see the bridge looks good. I'm, I'm willing to cross that because you've placed confidence in what you see and you've placed confidence in the person who's built it in their credentials. It's almost as well in a work environment. You might have that one colleague and you don't have to say their name out loud who's always dropping the ball every now and again. Um, and, and you don't necessarily have confidence in that person. And so you might not give them the responsibility that you want to because you don't know if they can do it, if they're going to drop the ball. Or can you trust them? And so there's the sense in which if you were confident in someone, you, you would trust them with more. The more confidence you have in a person, the more you're willing to trust them with something. It's, it's like a hanger or a table. We know what it can carry because we're confident in its strength and its structure. A, a good way to do this, and I've done this before, um, is you get a little child and you get a, a nice big adult and you say, okay, let's do the trust test. Now the child is more than happy to fall back into the adult's arms. If you've done the trust test, you sort of fly back and you're meant to trust the person and not sort of catch yourself. But you ask an adult to fall on a, a little toddler, uh, well, they're not going to have the same confidence that that toddler, they might be willing to catch the adult, but whether they are able to catch the adult is a whole nother story. And really what I want to highlight with these illustrations are two things. Confidence affects action. How you feel towards something, how, how you are confident in something, how much you trust it will affect your actions towards it, will affect the way you respond to it. Our confidence in God affects our decision making. Our confidence in God affects the way we live. And this is why we're called to live a life by faith. This is why we're called to trust Him. And, and secondly, our confidence is determined by the thing we're placing our confidence in. And so if it doesn't look good, if it's not been reliable in the past, we might have less confidence in it. And yet if it is strong and has a good track record, we will look at that and say, I can place my confidence in that thing, in that 
person. And so we know that our confidence will affect our action. And so we need to look at God and say, oh, in light of who you are, how confident am I in you? How confident am I in the way that you will carry me in this next season? You see, confidence in God is this. It is an unwavering belief that God is reliable and trustworthy. It is the conviction of his goodness and his power and his wisdom. It is the certainty of his competency and his compassion. It is the assurance that he is dependable, that he is reliable, because he is the most reliable thing in the universe, because he upholds it. He upholds it. I saw this great quote over the Christmas time. A pastor said that in the manger lay this baby who at the same time was upholding every atom in the universe. Because Hebrews tells us that Jesus sustains it all. And so with that in mind, how can we waver in our confidence in God? And God calls us to place our complete confidence, trust, faith in Him. And so I want to go through Jeremiah 17. This is one of the verses that sort of came up in this time. And it speaks about a blessing and a curse. It actually speaks about a cursed confidence and it speaks about a blessed confidence and ultimately is a call for us to trust God. And so it starts with a warning in verse 5. It says this, Thus says the Lord, in Jeremiah 17 verse 5, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. Here he speaks about a curse of misplaced confidence. And this can be intentional and it can be subtle. I, I remember when I was in high school, I did rowing. And I remember one of the days we were on the river and uh, yeah, there were some guys who were uh, feeling very manly and they were talking about uh, you know, rugby and stuff. And there was this one guy, he was particularly just naturally big. He's just a naturally big guy. Wasn't very, didn't gym, wasn't very muscular, but he just just had size, and he was just a big guy, a real bear, really, you can't guy, but just big. And then there was one of these other guys, and he was a few years younger, he was in my year, and he was one of these oaks, who's just gym, protein, you know, creatine in your cornflakes type of guy, like just, just had all of the muscles, he was a really smart guy as well, but he, you know, just really confident in his capacity. And he was first team eventually, but he, you know, he was just, and they were talking, and they, I don't know how they got onto this, but the one big guy said, you know, or the, I think it was the, sorry, the ripped guy was like, you know, I could tackle you. You know, I could take you down in a rugby game. I, I could totally tackle you. And I was just like, wow, this guy's really confident. Like, good on you, bro. That's great. Back yourself, you know, type thing. And, and eventually, as only boys can do, they were like, well, let's have a tackle off. You know, let's, let's, let me run at you and see if I can tackle you for no reason. And the guy was like, okay, if you really think you can. So this big guy just sort of took up a stance. He's like, I'm, I'm there, whatever. And this oak, with all the confidence in the world, ran and broke his collarbone. And so you can have all the confidence you want, but if your confidence is misplaced, you might break a collarbone, and that's not a good thing to break. And so Jeremiah, the prophet, is sharing God's word, and God's warning us. He's like, I don't want that to happen to you. Don't misplace your confidence. It will always end out badly. You see, the opposite of confidence in God is confidence in self. It's confidence in our ability. You see, we either turn to him, we either turn to him in reliance and dependence or we're turning away in rebellion, in, in our own sort of trust of ourselves. You see, pride is at the root of sin. 
there's this deep desire in us at times to turn away from God, to be independent, to be on our own, to do it ourselves. And you see it all through the Old Testament. We make flesh our strength, and it is a foolish thing to do. Because God says he gives strength to the humble and the meek, to those who come to him in weakness. See, he shares the outcome in verse 6. And I hope in this language you might notice, if you're familiar with the story of Israel, you might notice what he's alluding to. He says that the person who places their confidence in the wrong place is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness, in the inhabited salt lands. You see, this was meant to remind us of that faithless generation that Moses led. They come to the Jordan, right? And they're meant, to, they're meant to go in. God's given them this promise. He said, I will give you the promised land, this great land, and I will help you to take over it, and you will come in, and it will be wonderful. And they get there, they send in some spies, and they see, oh, it's beautiful. It's just as great as God said it would be. It's amazing. His promise, it's, not, it's, it's actually amazing. There's nothing better. But then what do they do? They look at the nations. They look at these giants. They look at these obstacles in their way. And apart from a couple, they come back, these spies, and they say, I don't know, hey, I don't think, I think it's going to be too tough. And we say that's a faithless generation. Let me tell you, they had no confidence in God. They had no confidence that he could do it. And so what do they do? Just like this verse warns us, God sends them in judgment to a wilderness, to a desert, to to remain there for 40 years until a generation of faith who had confidence in God would go into the land and take control of it. You see, they lacked confidence in God and chose not to enter. You see, when we seek independence from God, even momentarily, we isolate ourselves from His good provision and position ourselves in dry and fruitless places. And we may miss out on the blessings of God's promises if we are not living a life rooted in confidence in Him. The most quoted Old Testament passage, you might want to check me on this, but I'm pretty sure I remember this is true. It says that uh, the righteous will live by faith. Now, I believe that means that we come alive by faith because faith is what saves. We are justified by faith, but I also believe it continues beyond that, that the Christian life is one lived in faith, in dependence, in reliance on God with complete confidence in who He is and what He does. And so here comes the blessing in verse 7. It says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. And what he means by that when he says, whose trust is the Lord, it's literally like he's saying, you've made him your refuge. He's the castle you retreat into. He is your trust. And so where do you go when you need safety, when you need protection, when you need provision? You go into him. He is your covering. He is your refuge. He is your shelter. And true contentment, that's what blessedness is. It's contentment. It's, it's a, a happiness. comes from living in confidence in God. And in verse 8, he highlights four of these blessings that I want to touch on. And they're interconnected. Four blessings in verse 8. And let's read it and I'll draw them out. He says this. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. For its leaves remain green, and it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Here are some of the blessings of a life 
lived out of confidence in God. Number one, satisfaction and contentment. That we are right by the source. That when we live with confidence in God, that faith not only moves us, but it is like a channel to God who then nourishes our souls. When we are reminding ourselves daily of who God is and why we have reason to be confident in Him, we are nourished, we are satisfied, and we are made content. It's almost like a perspective shift. It roots us and makes us stable so that we are no longer tossed by various winds. We become rooted in the soil of trusting God. The second one is that there is no fear in hard times. No fear in hard times. And if we know anything from the past, every year has enough trouble of its own. A little bit of a paraphrase, hey? Jesus says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough worry of its own. And we know every year will have enough trouble and hardship and suffering of its own. But a life lived in confidence in God can see that, experience it, know the pain, know the hurt, but does not fear. Because it knows where its confidence is, knows who supports it. You see, confidence in God sheds fear in the midst of trial because we know that God can supply in the worst of seasons and that he is at work in the worst of seasons because in the darkest moment of history, God was achieving for you salvation. We know that God can provide. The third is this. Confidence in God removes anxiety. It removes anxiety and there is a lot of it to be removed. There is a lot of it in our lives. You see, it says, he says that uh, it is not anxious in the year of drought because it does not cease to bear fruit. God brings peace to our hearts when we are placing our trust in him. When we are confident in him. Because, and, and, and it's, it seems so simple, and yet it is so profound. When we see God, when we are reminded of who he is, when we put our trust in him, we realize he is far greater than all of my worry. He is far greater than any of my needs. He can provide above and beyond. He is wiser than I will ever be, stronger than I will ever be, and he cares. Because sometimes we know he's great, but do we have confidence in his goodness as well? And so when we feel that, those murmurs of anxiety, that worry that comes up in our lives from just the daily grind, the needs that we have, the cares that we have, what we need to do is shift our focus to who God is and place our confidence in that. That is good. And linked with that, he says, a life lived in confidence in God bears fruit. It bears fruit. It just does. When you live a life of faith, trusting God, there will be fruit. One more verse, just touching on this idea of confidence in God, came in Isaiah 26. And I just want to read it quickly and just encourage you. And it's just been such a, a blessing for me. I almost felt like I needed to give you guys a challenge. Go memorize this one, because this one, it's so Blessed. It's just such a helpful verse. When you're, when you're stressed out and you want to pull your hair out of your head or you just want to cry, this is the kind of verse 
that I cling to. It says in Isaiah 26 verse 3, You keep him, this is the Lord, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you, because he has confidence in you. That phrase, perfect peace, is unique. And it's almost like when we say the Lord of Lords, what we're saying is out of all the Lords, Jesus is the Lord. Right? He's as Lord as it gets. Right? It's the same thing with this perfect peace. It literally is the peace of all peace. Take peace, your best understanding of it, magnify that by more peace, and you've got peace. Perfect peace. And that's the kind of peace we get when our minds are fixed on Jesus. When our minds are fixed on Him in the midst of trial, in the midst of darkness, in the midst of turmoil. Nothing brings more peace to the heart and soul than a joyful conviction in the sovereignty of God. No mind is more at ease than the person who has abandoned every illusion of control and surrendered all their hopes, all their dreams, all their desires, and all of their needs to God. You will never be more at peace until the pillow that you sleep on is the conviction that God is in control. That is the most restful sleep you will ever take. I hope that metaphor actually made sense. Conviction that God is in control brings this peace. Confidence in who he is. See, anxiety is born out of the soil of self-reliance. Peace is rooted in dependence and confidence in God. So what does it look to live this out? And I just have a couple. I mean, we could go... We could do series on this. What does it look to live out of faith, to live out of trust in God, to live out of confidence in God? And there's, there's two I want to touch on, and they've, they've come up slightly already, and, and I just want to share them with you. And the one, just shortly, it's our response to hardship, because there's, there's, that's one of the things we're guaranteed in life. In this life, you will have trouble. But a life lived out of confidence in God responds differently. It just does. And Francis Chan once said something that was just so convicting. He said, if, we, if our lives don't look any different from that of the unbeliever, then, then what's the point? Okay, I paraphrase. And to flip it around, if we respond to everything in this world the same way someone who doesn't know Jesus would respond, what's different about us? What's the point? If we respond to traffic or to loss or to grief or stress the same way anyone else would, then what's really different? Do we have the Holy Spirit? Do we have faith that God is good, great, and in control? Because that should change the way we respond to things. That should give us greater freedom, more joy, and more stability. Be confident, church, that God is in control and He is at work for your good, even in the hardship. And the final thing is this, and I'm going to unpack it a little bit more. It's, it should affect our decision-making. And, and this is broken into two parts. Our major decisions, like the big ones, those big decisions that comes, come around, it, our confidence in God must be the biggest factor in the way that we com- contemplate those decisions and when we make them. I remember just feeling this huge sense, and, and people encouraged me with, with this in, in various ways, to, to not make a decision rooted in fear. Not, not to go because I was afraid of what would happen or wouldn't happen, but to go because of faith in God. Decisions rooted in fear are always bad decisions. 
A decision rooted in faith is a good decision. Because you are confident in God's presence, that he goes with you, in his power and in his goodness. And the other one is this, and, and this one, it's something we just got to work at every day. It's daily decisions. It's those, those almost sometimes they're in the back of our mind. It's just the way we live life. It's the, it's the like orientation of how we see the world. And you see that in the little things we do. It's our subconscious worldview. And, and this changes as we renew our mind in the scriptures, as we are constantly reminding ourselves of who God is and how we fit into his kingdom. And there's, there's some key areas to just unpack what this looks like. I'm just going to touch on three of them. How we deal with the temptation. Because temptation is always an assault on our confidence in God. Do you trust him? It's what happened in the garden. Okay? The enemy comes in. Did he really say? Is he really here for your good? Does he not want to just hold something back from you? That's what the enemy did. And he gets into their heads. But if you're confident in God, you're going, no, he's not out to get me. He's not withholding good things from me. He's here for my good. And so in the way we engage daily with temptation, if you're confident in God, you will know that the lie of the enemy is a lie. That, that God is not out to get you, that he is for you. And you place your trust in his promises and his commands. Secondly, and, and this is quite a big one for me, parenting. Now, I'm not a parent, so you might think this is really weird. But as someone who has had oversight of the young adults and matrix and some of the high schoolers for the last two years plus, I just have an appeal to the parents. So confidence in God. Just, just so as much of it as you can. And I, I beg you, and I'm, I don't mean to imply that any bad jobs have been done. That's not my intention at all. But there is so much stress and anxiety in our young people. They are breaking. They are really breaking. And it's because we are not sowing faith. We are saying, if you don't get this mark, and if you don't get that CV, and if you don't make that job in that institution, then your life will fail. There is no faith in that. None at all. And I don't want to burden you. I don't want to condemn you. I, I can't even imagine how hard it is, because I know it comes from a place of love. You just want the best for them. You just want to... My, my parents did it to me, a comfortable life. Bless their soul. They didn't know Jesus. But there is so much more at stake than a comfortable life. There is so much more important than a comfortable life. Sow faith. Get, sow those seeds that when they go through suffering and they lose everything, they don't lose their joy. That they still have something to cling on to. And it just comes into the subtle things. The way that we respond to them. The way that we encourage them. Let them know that they are not failing because they are not at the top but that what really marks success in life is how they live in the kingdom, that they have confidence in God. And the last one is this. It's just to encourage you, church, the way we do ministry changes. There is no fear. There is no anxiety. When we are confident in God, we can share with boldness. We can get up onto any stage. We can go into any conversation. We can go into any area knowing that God is with us and that we live out of confidence. We minister out of his confidence, not our ability not what we have to offer. And so uh, let me close and, and just say, think about, meditate, ponder in your life how you might bolster your confidence every day. Prayer, great place to start. The Word, 
best place to start, but contemplate in your life, how can I continue daily, no matter how old I am, to increase my confidence in God and live a life of faith. Let me pray for us, and I'll hand over to John. Jesus, we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would drop revelation into our minds and hearts because we know that confidence in you, trust in you, comes when we see you as you are. And so remove the veil, remove any deception that we might have believed. May we see how great and glorious and good you are. May we be completely convinced that there is nothing more powerful than you. That there is nothing in the universe that can sway you, that can stop your hand, that can cease to or, or, or stop you from accomplishing your purposes. You will work and no one will stop your hand. May we be confident in your greatness. As well, God, may we be so confident in your goodness. May we see the compassion that you have shown us, the grace that you have shown us, the mercy that you have shown us, and the love that you continue to pour out on us daily. May we be so convinced of your goodness, God, not because we necessarily feel it, although that is great, but because we see it in the scriptures and we see it in your character. May we be convinced of your greatness and your goodness, and God, equip us by the Holy Spirit. May we be filled with the Holy Spirit and equip us, God, to live out these lives of confidence in you. May we be a people whose greatest attribute is their dependence on their God. And we bless your name. Amen. Thank you, Ryan. Ryan and Sharon,